What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bald Bolding Gold. After a tough weekend, both physically and mentally, for all of your co-hosts and our friends, we are back discussing what else happened around the college football landscape and how it affects the 2021-2022 college football playoff. We make our predictions on what that playoff landscape might look like come early January before getting into exactly what happened in South Bend during our loss to Cincinnati. Like our players do, we move on to look forward to Blacksburg and our upcoming game against Virginia Tech. And as always, we help our listeners get rich at the end with our picks for the week. Help us celebrate the bald man's 24th Jack Kaiser birthday this week by joining us from the pod. We hope you enjoy. digest this one it's not monday we're recording on a wednesday um monday i probably would have been too pissed off still hung over and tired so i'm glad i've had some time to collect my thoughts listen to kelly's press conference and everything but you know you never expect a loss but it still hurts yeah i gotta tell you i didn't have my best monday at work of all time either um did not have my fastball on monday morning um it was it was it was fun but it was it was tiring and it was deflating. I, I still had a great time, but uh, I also agree with Dee. I'm glad I have some day, a few days to process this. I feel feel okay about how things went. You know, I'm just I was just happy to be there. I was just happy to be there with the boys. It it like it was. None of us were crazy surprised. I don't think that we lost. It was just a frustrating way to do it. Yeah, this is a frustrating yeah. way to go down. But uh, it was fun watching with you, fellas. Yeah, I I had a blast sitting with you guys. Uh, I missed that dearly. Um, we can we can touch on the game uh, once we once we hit around the country. But I uh, I had so much fun hang hang out in the student section with you guys. That was so much fun. Yeah, I I agree. There's just like being in the stadium. There's nothing like it. Glad we got in for kickoff and everything. It was just it was good. It was good. Um, I mean, the thing is, Notre Dame losing a game, it's not like other programs aren't struggling. I mean, we continue to see it. It, I mean, it happens. An off year happens. I think no one predicted this. And I think, you know, we're not unique. So, An off year happens at the perfect year for Cincinnati. Like, yeah. I was asked before the game by multiple people, like, Cincinnati wins. Did they have a shot? And I was like, no, no. A car five will just not get in. It won't happen. And then Oregon loses. Yep. We lose. Florida lost. Florida loses. Yeah, they're out. Um, Oklahoma survived. I mean, they didn't survive. Oklahoma's still around. I don't know how long I expect Oklahoma to hang around. Also, I mean, I, Ian, I don't know how much of this you watched Saturday night, but like, BC gets got pushed to the Oh, my too. God. I watched I, – well, so yeah. Clemson, Clemson's out of it as well, so that's a good point. Yeah. Clemson's out of it as well. 
I don't see anybody from the ACC battling for a playoff spot. Did you see how that game ended? The yeah. BC game, Clemson game? Ridiculous. I was watching it. Clemson was on their heels. Like they had no yeah. shot to get a stop if that if the if the quarterback center snap doesn't go poorly. Like, yeah, DF, for those that DF, didn't see it, DF, 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 I don't know if you saw it, but like BC is hasn't been able to move the ball at all, but then is marching down the field down I don't know four maybe down four. Yeah, and QB's in shotgun, and the center who's had his snap issues throughout the night just sends it low and left, and they fumble, and BC reco- or Clemson recovers, BC loses the game. But yeah, Clemson think, should have lost at home. D, D, I think we were missing it. Um, a, because you were you were fixing some chili, yep. and B, <laughs> and B, the Wi-Fi started to go out in the house, the house we were at. So we didn't catch the end of it, but I went back and watched, watched the end of it. What a mess. BC had them on their heels, too. That would have been huge for them. Um, also, I mean, other teams are struggling, but it's funny how the how, – how the, um, and the cream of the crop kind of rises, and we still still get a little bit of separation here. Uh, Georgia's mm-hmm. defense is elite; uh, has not allowed their first team unit has not allowed points, has not allowed a touchdown all year. Uh, that's insane. That's that's nuts. And, and they ro- they roll over uh, what I think is a a well coached and talent and b talented Arkansas team. Yep. Like I think that's I think that's a bit more of a reflection on maybe how good this Georgia defense is rather than a poor effort from Arkansas. And then Bama rolls over Ole Miss. I think it was 42-21. Two surprising results, honestly. I thought, you know, I thought Ole Miss and Arkansas were pulling in in like the three, four spots in the SEC probably. I mean, there's huge separation in the SEC right now. There's one, two, and then it's everyone else. But another team that impressed me, you know, do I think they necessarily have the offense to compete at the highest level? Well, Iowa's defense is also nasty. Oh my god, yeah. that was Dude. that was absurd. Dude, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. D and I were watching watching most of that from Corby's on Friday night, and like every time we were not like watching the game closely, but every time I picked my head up, it was like another seven for Iowa, another up another three. Like they just kept pulling away. Um, and for, for and that was a game I really thought that Maryland was going to be. I don't think Maryland was going to win. I just thought they would be able to hang around a little bit. Hang around at least a little bit. They had like six turnovers. Yeah. I was defensive force, and I was not. I was super unconvinced by Iowa, and I'm still not convinced. I think we'll get some answers this weekend with Penn State, mm-hmm. Iowa, but you know, they, they are they are they're a wagon. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy is Fernelli talks about this all the time. It's like that turnover luck thing, right? Like Iowa's defense has forced a lot of turnovers, and that is not like a reliable stat to predict how good a team is. And I do buy into that, and I subscribe to the fact that, that those are sometimes more often than not freak plays. But like the rate that they're turning teams over, they also might be an elite defense. Like they might not be Georgia, but damn, if they're going to keep doing that, that's it's it's going to they're going to be a tough team to beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, just is Stanford okay now? Like we thought they were terrible. I mean, beating Oregon and USC back to back is impressive. Um, I'm just kind of trying to look around. Obviously, Scarlet Knights struggled, but Ohio State, I'd say, you know, they're. I'm yeah, they're not impressed. Did Ohio State find it? I yeah, that might that might have been a bit of a get right week for for Ohio State going to Piscataway. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what the doctor ordered for them because yeah. um, they got their tough scratch coming up. Do they get Iowa as well, or is it just Penn State and Michigan? I do not believe they have Iowa. Okay, but I mean. 
Somebody, somebody is going to be in the playoff from that Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. And I, Michigan's yes. fraudulent. No, I mean, do not Michigan, whatever. Uh, that, is, uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think that result's a little misleading. If, if, Rucker, if, if Michigan's going to struggle with Rutgers at home and then go kick in Paul Chris Teeth in Madison, um, I think that that's much more reflectant on on what this Wisconsin team is, is has failed to be rather than maybe what Michigan is. And don't get me wrong, like, like I said last week, like you're winning football games, you're undefeated, you're doing something right. Like I don't want to take too much pre- like credit away from Michigan because I think they're a decent football team, but Wisconsin's bad. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin is bad. And D, like to what you said before, like I think I was kind of treating the month of November as a bunch of givens like get through October and we'll see what happens. Uh, that game Thanksgiving weekend in Palo Alto scares me a little bit more now. Uh, I think things it's a long ways away and we'll see, we'll see where each team is, but knowing that it's usually shitty, it's usually shitty weather. Uh, it's, it's a Saturday game on a, on a holiday weekend. Like, the atmosphere just, sucks. Atmosphere sucks. It's oh, a tough West. game to get up for. You've traveled across the country. You're not spending Thanksgiving with your family. Like, I just, I, I think, it, I think this last week was big for Notre Dame in in, in a way. And I, I hope when we get to when we talk about last week's game that that that, that kind of continues. And I can explain more then. But that Palo Alto game is that game against Stanford might be a little trickier than that I was going to give it credit for. So just to yeah. talk conferences, is the Big Ten the deepest conference in the country? No, I still think it's the SEC. Really? I mean, yeah, if you I go know. pound to pound, if you go pound to pound, like across, because it goes, okay, let's let's list, list Big Ten, right? We got Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan. Then there's a drop-off. Sparty's not bad. Sparty is undefeated. Sparty's okay. Then there's the drop-off, right? So there's that top five. Yeah. And the SEC, you got Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, you still have Kentucky up there. You got Florida. I, I, I think LSU is beating probably Michigan State. I don't know. I mean, LSU is a bad team. but Here, let's take got- a look at this. I have, the, I have the AP top 25 up. You got, the SEC has got number one, number two. Uh, it's a little bit. And then they got 13, 16, 17, 18, 20. So that's that's six teams in the top 20. I think what it is, I think the Big Ten's a little, a little more top heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. Iowa's three, uh, Iowa's three, Penn State four, <laughs> Ohio State, uh, Ohio State seven, Michigan nine, and Michigan State eleven. But then I don't think there's another Big Ten team. That, yeah, another Big Ten team doesn't show up in, in the uh, in the poll. And I'll also say this: Texas A&M was the second most team receiving votes in Mississippi state was the, was the fourth most team receiving votes. So I, I just think that while they're maybe beating up on each other, you know, look at Mississippi state and Texas AM, while they're beating up on each other, I still think the sec is deeper. I think the big 10 may be a bit more top heavy, specifically the big 10 East. That's fair. I mean, in terms of, well, I think it slept on everyone's assuming since he's a shoe in for the playoff Loki, the Mormons, undefeated. Yeah. And yeah. I saw a stat by the end of their season, if they run the table, they will have beaten seven Power 5 teams, Cincinnati, two. And, you know, it's Notre Dame and Indiana on the road. It remains – I mean, Indiana's not good. It remains to be seen. 
what will end up as. But, I mean, seven Power 5 teams with maybe no elite win versus, you know, just two. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how the voters take that into account. I think I think BYU flips out. Uh, like, they got Boise this week, who's a formidable opponent, and then Baylor was undefeated before last week. So, so maybe. Yeah. I just – I think I'm probably holding on to a little preseason bias here where there was a lot of chatter about the Mormons taking a big step back. Mm-hmm. So I'm still holding on to they just haven't lost yet rather than they've, they're undefeated. They, they just haven't lost yet. I will also say this. I, uh, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I thought Cincinnati – not that I don't think Notre Dame could have won the game. I think Cincinnati, out, Cincinnati outplayed Notre Dame this week. But Cincinnati has a dangerous trek no matter how you cut it because the way – the the way that their conference championship is is divided up, they'll they'll have to play. They'll have to beat every team. Have to beat beat one of those teams twice. So they'll have to probably beat yep. either Houston or SMU or one of those teams. You'll have to beat them twice. And as we showed last year, you know, like I think I think it's a little different because I think Clemson is a, a much more formidable opponent than Houston or SMU or Tulane. But like. Yeah, it's tough to beat a team twice. It's tough to beat a team twice in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, whatever it is. So I, it's tough to shit on Cincinnati after what happened this weekend. But like, I, I don't think it's out of out of the realm of possibilities that they slip up either. You know, yeah. I don't think it's it's out of the realm of possibilities that we see eleven and one from them. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. If we had to pick a playoff today, what four teams do you guys think it is? Sorry, I put you on the spot, but. No, I was gonna. I was gonna ask the same like question. Yeah, like, like we probably, it's gonna change. You know, um, I think we see two SEC teams in there. Yeah, uh, those if they both go undefeated by the time they play each other, Alabama and Georgia. It, I think it'd be the right call to put them both in. It would be annoying, but they're showing that they are so far superior than everybody else out there right now. And again, things could change. I still think we see Oregon in there. I think Oregon yeah. figures some stuff out at three, and then Ohio State. I, I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree exactly with Ian. Although things get so much more interesting right now, if not that I want, because I, I actually like Penn State. I, I, I think it's really fun to watch them play football, and I'm really excited for that game specifically this weekend, the Iowa Iowa Penn State game. But if mm-hmm. Iowa were to win, were to win this game this weekend. They climb to six and zero. I think they run the table in the Big Ten West. They get to the Big Ten championship game undefeated, and then lose to say Ohio State. You know, if Ohio State runs the table in the East, like, are you comfortable? Ohio State's already lost to Oregon. Like, I just think there's this, again. This is a weird year where you're not gonna. It's. I think one and two is gonna be pretty clear cut. I think you'll have a one, the SEC champion, and then yes, and a one loss. SEC runner-up, and I think the rest is going to get really, really, really hairy. Yeah. So really I hairy. Think, I don't know why I'm believing this right now, and I'll definitely get proved on. I'm not going to predict them to the playoff, but a dark horse, because I kind of think they get it done this weekend. The Texas Longhorns, I know there's the week one loss, but yeah. you know if you're going to lose at any point in the season, week one is obviously one to do. Or they didn't lose week one, they lost week two, correct? Yeah. Because they, they beat, beat Yeah. 
Yeah. But if they pick off Oklahoma this week, you know, they'll probably have to play them again or maybe a Baylor. Who knows? I could see Oklahoma slipping up again for sure. Oklahoma State's also undefeated. People sleep yeah. on that. Um, but, you know, if Texas, B. John Robinson is awesome running the ball. I mean, they're talented. They recruit at a top five level. So if they can maybe put it together, if Sark figures out things on offense, you know, if the new offensive coordinator, obviously it takes time to put things together. If he's able to do that, I could see them, you know, they're 21 right now, but if they keep winning, obviously they'll start jumping teams. If they're a one loss big 12 champ, I see them being hard to leave out this year because Pac-12 and agree. ACC are essentially out. I would agree. That's a big if though. Yeah. Like, if they run the table, I would see, I would see them in because that means they're probably beating Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have a – they're just not dominant on either side of the ball to do that. Like, they just don't have a group that – besides B. John Robinson, I'd say. But I think I think they don't have it in them to run the table. But if they do, and the, money-wise, the committee would love to throw Texas in there. Yeah, who are you putting I'm in, totally- Texas or Cincinnati? Texas with – Two wins over Oklahoma and another over Oklahoma State, Baylor. I don't know if they play both of them. I I'm not looking at their schedule in front of me. But that's like four ranked wins ish versus one, you know. Here's here's a question for you guys and and you guys can maybe like I, I don't know if I have a good answer for this, but Wake Forest is undefeated, right? They're wait they're sitting at number nineteen right now. Um, I don't think they're the best team in the ACC, but what if Lightning were to strike and they were to run the table from here on out? You got a 13 and 0 week in the East, winning the ACC. I still don't know if that's a team that that would that I think belongs in the playoff or should be in the playoff. And so it was a very weak yeah. ACC. Like I guess you beat basically you're beating up your, your notable wins in the year would become Clemson, NC State, North Carolina. I don't know if that's enough. Is that, but that's three wins over Power Five teams versus two for Cincinnati. You know, it's a Clemson yeah. that name carries weight. Um, it would be interesting to see how they do it. You know, if you have, I, you know, this doesn't actually happen every year in the ACC, but like if there's a ranked opponent on the other side in the ACC title game, would you smack them? Maybe it's not, I don't know. This is probably a terrible analogy, but we've seen it before. You play a ranked opponent in your title game hop over a non-Power 5 team as well. Ohio State, I believe, did the TCU and Baylor back when they beat Wisconsin 59-0. Yeah. You know, that Wisconsin team wasn't great, but you know, but, if you put I, on a performance and then jump over teams with a weaker schedule, it can happen. I, I'm looking at the Wake Forest schedule, and we don't have to spend too much more time on it, but they got Syracuse this week, Army next week. Uh, I'm sorry, they got Syracuse by Army, Duke, and that rolls out, that finishes October. And then <laughs> – like, is it out of the realm of possibilities? They go into the month of November, you know, eight, no, with, with, game, very with, much four so. games, with, with four games to play. I mean, their last four games are probably their toughest four games. So we don't want to get too high on them, but at North Carolina, home for NC State, at Clemson and at Boston College. Like, that's a tough slate, but what if they catch light in a bottle? I don't know. I just thought that was a, that was a fun yeah. experiment. Yeah, like it, a it is, like, go Deeks. The, the college playoff separates itself from football, though. Like, the Deeks haven't sold out a home game in their, yeah. you know, like, 30,000-person stadium in yeah. I don't know how long. So, I, I mean, I don't, I personally don't think it's enough. We're, like, this is great speculation. I think the difference there, and it comes again in a couple of weeks with the first rankings, Cincinnati starting the season top 10 gives them a big mm-hmm. boost. Yeah. It, it gives them a big boost because there are those – 
preconceived biases in there. It's tough to pass teams. It's tough to pass teams. And if they come out in the top four in the play in the playoff rankings, I mean, when the first initial playoff rankings come out, and I don't know, was that two weeks from now? Uh, I think usually around Halloween, yeah. Or yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be – if they're in the top four or the top five, like they are definitely in the hunt. I just – I I don't think they will be put there. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the kind of college football season that I love where there's so many things oh, that can happen. Oh, me too. Me too. This is chaotic, and I, and I kind of love it. I love that I don't have an answer for who my top four is going to be. All right, I'm yeah. inclined to agree with Ian, but it's just because I don't have a better answer at this point. What if what if the Irish run the table? Where what if we run the table? Oh, what, so, like, where do we go? So I think that's a really it. fun it's a really fun thought experiment too. And I don't think that you should put too much stock in this, but like I did check this week, ESPN and CBS both had the Irish finishing eleven and one and in a New Year's six bowl. And okay. one of them one of them had a very funny here, one of them had a rematch with Cincinnati. Ugh. And the other one actually had a rematch with Virginia Tech in Atlanta for the I was like I think I think ESPN had had, had us against Cincinnati in a rematch and then CBS had us against uh, against Virginia Tech in the Peach Bowl I believe it'd be okay um, but I was like that's uh, those yeah, are kind of like, fun matchups because those you're not playing you know a team that thinks they should be elsewhere and just nails it in you know, yeah, like Cincinnati yeah. would bring everything they got, you know? Absolutely. Virginia Tech would be bringing everything they got. So that those are fun, fun matchups. I think 11-1 and one is still I – would, I would be very pleased with 11-1 at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, these bowl, I think these bowl matchups would be so much fun. D, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off. But right now, C, CBS, CBS's playoff prediction, CBS Sports, Alabama the one, Georgia the two, Iowa the three, and Oklahoma the four. So that that's, that makes your four playoff teams. Then your your New Year's six your New Year's six games becomes Arkansas versus Texas in the Sugar Bowl, Penn State and Oregon. In the, yeah, all of these games are a blast. Penn State and Oregon in the Rose Bowl, Ohio State and Cincinnati in the Fiesta Bowl, and then Virginia Tech and Notre Dame in the Peach Bowl. I would I would have so much fun. I think that would be a really fun mm-hmm. if things played out like that. That'd be really really cool. But we'll say yeah. One right, of the uh, things. Oh okay. yeah, no, no. Let's let's talk about fraud because I, I was going to switch over to the game. Let's, so, let's talk yeah. frauds quick. As always, as we go around the country, we all have to get uh, give our bishop sycamore fraud of the week. Thank you all for voting last week at social media. Um, I'm going to start here if that's okay, fellas. Good. Yep. Um, and I'm going to head down to Jacksonville and say Urban Meyer's what about. <laughs> Are the fraud of the really, week? It's a really good one. Actually, That's I guess it was in Ohio because it was uh, the he stayed. Yeah, yeah, he stayed. He stayed in Ohio after the Jacksonville Jaguars lost um, on Thursday. I didn't know where to go here if his wedding vows were fraudulent or just his character overall. But the I'm gonna uh, say character. Yeah, the infidelity happened in Ohio with a young lady whom was not his wife, yep. Mrs. Meyer. Um, and so my fraud of the week is the establishment of marriage in the Meyer household and just his <laughs> character in general. Jesus. Yeah. Do you want to go next? Right. Yeah. You know, we've been waiting to put one of these on the Irish. Yeah. Um, and I know it wasn't their worst performance of the year, 
but it has become very apparent that the Irish offensive line, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's rumors floating around offensive line would reach out to Harry Heastand for like extra coaching. And maybe that's why they were good. And I think there's a little bit of a bridges burned when Jeff Quinn found out. So Jeff Quinn's like, okay, let me be your coach. That's just rumors. It's all speculation, but I think there's some truth to it. It's been thrown around by some writers, not just some dudes on the message board. And to see an offensive line with this much talent be so much worse than like almost every line in the Mac, the Sun Belt, Conference USA. There's like, does Eastern Carolina have a better offensive line than us? Like, fuck, maybe. Yeah. Like, they might. I think they probably yeah. do. I don't want to look up their like rushing rankings, but it's probably higher than us in yards per carry. It's gotten ridiculous to the point. Like, obviously, Cincinnati has a good defense, the best we've faced so far. And it, I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's embarrassing to go from O line U to a laughing stock in the span of 12 months. It's a joke. So, Jeff Quinn, you are my fraud of the week. You know, good luck finding a job next uh, January. Wait, one more time. D, you said that the players reached out to Harry Stane? That's like apparently what would happen last year. Like the seniors, Ike and oh. Kramer, the guys who were okay, recruited yeah. and coached for a couple of years by He Stand would reach out to him. Apparently, it was facilitated by Chris Watt, who was a graduate assistant um, in the offensive line room and also you know, played under He Stand knows him and now Chris Watt's gone. He's saying obviously he's been gone, but apparently there's some like reaching out for extra, you know, coaching help here and not good. The turmoil in the room is uh, not good. So Jeff Quinn, figure it out, man. You got what? Seven games left. Don't, uh, if, uh, if, if, if Jeff Quinn, and I will say Brian Kelly's not making it, seem like he wants to get rid of Jeff Quinn. He's been very, very supportive of Jeff Quinn. And it's not like an over-support where you think it's suspicious, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. But if Jeff Quinn does not keep his job this January, which I'm becoming more and more okay with, honestly, because I just haven't seen any really – like I thought last week was better, not great. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go try to go get Chris Watt back. For, for, he's a two-lane. Mm-hmm. I think he'd probably be – because I don't know if you're getting he stand back. Probably not. Nah. Uh, I think you go try to go get Chris Watt. But yeah, you need so he stand didn't like recruiting. And, you know, we need a recruiter still. He was such a cranky old fart too. Like but yeah. I just don't think it works anymore. Yeah. So no. and he he's he's on a beach somewhere. So I I mean I'd take Chris Watt. I think Chris Watt would be good. Um, all right. So I am going to go somewhere a bit more personal here. Uh, that left me pretty frustrated last night. I'm going to go Garrett Cole as my Bishop of Sycamore <laughs> fraud of the week. The $324 million man who gave up three runs and six outs uh, in a must-win playoff game. Uh, yeah. If if I could, I would return him, and I would let Nestor Cortez do all the pitching for the New York Yankees. Uh, he stinks. And it left me quite sad last night. So, um that was that's my Bishop Sycamore from the week. I didn't track it. How much worse did he get once Sticky Tack was outlawed? It was it like ebbed and it flowed. He was like he was like very bad the immediate start after, and then he got really really good again. And then the last his the his last five starts were like pretty were like pretty bad. But he had like like the month of August, so probably that probably happened in like what June. So his like post All Star break through the beginning of this, of September. 
he was awesome. He was lights out, and he uh, he. I mean, he still led the he still led the league in strikeouts. He just yeah. didn't he just didn't get very many last night, which stuck because nope. Nathan because not because Nathan Avaldi got all the strikeouts. Yeah, not a good so. week in sports for you, Tom. Hey, the they, Giants got on the board. The Giants are on that's the board. Fair. That's fair. Despite me giving that out, giving despite giving that out as my mortal lock of the week to bet against the Giants, uh, I had to apologize to some people. Uh, they did get on the board, and my Saquon jersey came in. Um, yeah, from hey, from, some, from a from a city in, from a city on the Asian continent. Uh, so uh, can't complain. And it Don't looks great. Don't it watch like, it. Those numbers no. will instantly come off. It looks brand new, though. Good. Yeah, okay, know. we're on the up. We're on the ups, left. Uh, all right, let's get into the game, the pain. Um, so the Jack Cohen experiment, I wouldn't call it an experiment. It wasn't, you know, like a big controversy to start him at the start of the year, but I think he has to not go, and obviously he'll be a serviceable backup, but Drew Pine has to be your guy going forward, right? I think that's the biggest story looking forward for the Irish. Yeah, I'd say that this part's this part's frustrating for me because I, I think that in the right spot, and it's not fair to just say in the right spot, but in the right spot, I think Jack Cohn could have been really, really successful. Like, give me last year's offensive line. Um, give, me, give me even this year's Wisconsin offensive line. Like, you just need something better that he can kind of hang in there. I think he would have had a little bit more success, and I want to defend him in that way. But then you get the throw that we get down on the goal line on Saturday, oh, and you can't – that's yeah. not defensible with a bad offensive line. You're a fifth-year senior. Why are you throwing late over the middle off your back foot? That's inexcusable. Yeah. So, yeah, the the experiment is over. I feel kind of bad because uh, it probably wasn't the – it wasn't the shake that he was expecting to get. But that's a piss poor decision from somebody that I think expects better of themselves, and I think the rest of the fan fan base expects more of as well. He that was awful. That was terrible. And if if the Cincy guy doesn't catch that, I don't even think there's a Notre Dame receiver to catch it either. I don't know what he's looking at. I mean, he's seeing ghosts there. The reason he's not going to play though is because Drew Pine looks lively. It's not just because Jack Cohn isn't good and he didn't score. He didn't score a single point with our offense for the, the whole first half. But if Drew Pine sucked, Jack Cohen would be right back in there. Drew Pine doesn't suck, and I think that's the story I want to yeah. go with. Like, Drew Pine yeah. comes in, and he exceeds all expectations when he comes in both times. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we were there in the stadium. There was just a completely different energy when he entered the game, and to the point where we take him out for one play and put in Tyler Buckner, who I think every Notre Dame fan is super excited about. You know, yeah. no one has any reason to hate Buckner. I know he got drilled on that sack, same thing. But he's a true freshman, not a fifth-year senior. So it's a little more excusable. Obviously, in a big game like that, it sucks. You can't make that mistake. But when Pine was on comes Reed. out for a play, everyone kind mm-hmm. of boos. You know, Buckner gets tackled for a loss of two. Now we're behind the sticks after we were marching the ball down the field. Yeah, I, I think – I think the, I thought the boos – if I remember correctly, the boos came out, like started ringing out as soon as they bought Buckner in the game. Like as they're mm-hmm. sending him on the field, and I don't think that was booze at Buckner, because I think people are really, oh, no. like you said, D, <clears throat> people are really excited about Buckner. That was more of a boo to Reese and Kelly. Like, hey, what the heck? What the hell are you doing? We're we're marching down the field. Pines putting a drive together. Like, why are we stopping the momentum? And that kind of what did in that in that instance. Like, yeah. you know, losing losing two yards and get behind the sticks is no good. 
Um, I think people are really, really frustrated with that. Uh, but like you said, Ian, I think Drew Pine provides a much needed spark uh, when he when he's in the game. And I'd like to see him go the distance this weekend because I think it gives us the best chance to win the football game. I agree. And people will rag on the stat line, you know, 9 of 22 or 9 of 20 or whatever. There was a couple that weren't on him, a couple where, you know, he's getting chased, throws the ball away. He wasn't making just egregious mistakes with inaccuracy. You know, one of those drops was a 50-yard completion at least to Kevin Austin in the middle of the field would have been a game-changing play. Still can't get over it. I'm still not over it. I think that's one spot, both hands. Yeah, hit him right, hit him right in the hands. I think that's one that the three of us and a lot of other internet fans are going to think about for a very, very, very long time. That's not one that's going to be – that's going to easily escape memory there. So we um, had the momentum. Had the momentum, and you killed it with with a drop. And, I, yeah, I, I think, like, sometimes sometimes it's really frustrating, and then you got to remind yourself that, hey, these kids are 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Yeah. Um, and Kelly kind of mentioned that too this week in his press conference. He was like, "Hey, you know, I think he said it Monday night, or so, excuse me, Saturday night, and then reiterated on Monday. He's like, hey, we got to do a better job of putting these guys in positions where they can be successful because Kevin Austin catches the ball all the time in practice. Like, it was just a freak accident. And I understand that, but it, it's still, it's still very, very frustrating. Like, because yep. I've seen guys, I've seen guys who are at his skill level who, who have made that catch when we needed that catch. I mean, Avery Davis makes that catch. Avery yeah. Davis makes that catch, and, and guys in the past I've seen I've seen make that catch. So, so then what's missing, right? I think it leaves. I think the frustration may not be specific. Like, yes, I, I was angry, Kevin Austin. The moment. I think the 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 fr- more, the more when I thought about it, the, the frustration really is why is that happening? Like, I don't have a I don't have a good answer for that. Kevin Austin catches that ball ninety nine times out of hundred. Why in the biggest spot of the season does he drop? that one so uh, that was a tough pill to swallow but yeah I did that's to your point like his stat line was not necessarily indicative of, of, of how he how well he played and I don't know about you guys but he threw a, I thought he threw a great ball to Braden Lindsay like really really good oh, ball done. yeah but my favorite play of the game was coming back towards us in the north end yeah. zone when he drops his shoulder in to pick up a first down mm. like those are the kind of plays that like and then booked big book did that a ton too those are yeah. kind of plays that, like, hey, he's a dog. He wants to be here. He wants to win this game. He that's 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 like the definition in a in one short clip of, of what he means as a spark plug. My girlfriend's parents were at the game, and her mom came up to the afterwards, and she was like, "That kid should have played the whole time." And she brought up that play, and she's like, yeah. "He just hustles." She said he hustles, but I knew what she meant. Like, yeah, like he he's a gamer. It was basically yeah. what she tried to say. He's a little bit of a gamer. Can I offer a suggestion as to why K drops that ball? I don't know. But, like, yeah, he's – he's I don't even know what year he's been in school. He's a senior. But he does not have that many live snaps and very few live snaps in big-time games. Yeah. So, he's yeah. still developing. Like, we didn't – this year we just didn't have an established playmaker go-to guy uh, out wide. Um, and that's one of the reasons it's, it was a transition year, as everybody said it. Like, yeah. we're still building that receiving core up. Um, mm-hmm. And, and – I, I guarantee you that experience will help Kevin Austin out. Like he took his eyes off the ball and looked upfield. I guarantee you, next time he's in a position like that, he keeps his eye on the ball all the way in. And he yeah. res- he re- he responded well after having a bad game against Purdue. Like he responded well in the mm-hmm. Wisconsin game. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him 
kind of get loose and Blacksburg runs it twice this weekend. Again, I, I, I've said this before. I'm just happy he's still on campus. Like, yeah. talent like yeah. him, I'm just happy he's on campus. We've lost talents like him for a lot less. I'm, just, I'm happy he's still around. That's a good point. He still has a lot of plays to make in the Notre Dame uniform. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, uh, the most frustrating thing is that, you know, the game came down to one – like, it didn't come down to one play, but we put ourselves in a position by just shooting ourselves in the foot over and over again in the first half, you know, three turnovers against a top-ten team in a quarter. Or I think it was a quarter. I don't know. But, you know, giving up and putting yourselves in a 17-0 hole against a top-ten team and having to almost make every play in the second half to win the game you know, we outscored them in the second half. And I think we were the better team in the second half. It was that we shot ourselves in the foot. They made big plays where we didn't. And we had to be almost perfect in the second half. And this is not another Dane team. I think with the offensive line problems, inexperience at receiver, you know, you're playing a second string quarterback who's five foot 10, five foot 11. This team doesn't really have the ability to be perfect against another top 10 team playoff okay. contender. I think to your point, I think I honestly thought that Drew White put it best in his post game on Saturday. Like Notre Dame beat Notre Dame on Saturday. And I think yeah. as as a fan base and as people who, who love this team, that's like the most frustrating thing, right? Because I think if they play if they if they have if they cut down on one of those turnovers, like I think they're in a much better spot to try to win the game. I, I think they can cut down like all three of those turnovers were preventable because it's kind of silly boneheaded mistakes. And I don't think that anybody on Cincinnati made extraordinary plays on those on those turnovers it wasn't like they were forced it was kind of shot like d said shot ourselves in the foot so i think that's that's like the toughest part pill to swallow here is i think notre dame can still win that football game on saturday and you just you just left some plays out on the field and and that one that's what kind of stings the most i think cincinnati's still a really good football team i don't know if notre dame is better than cincinnati i don't know if cincinnati's better than notre dame i just know that notre dame should should have had a bet, much better chance to win that football game than they gave themselves. How about Chris Tyree? I was so pumped at that that return against Wisconsin and point to it as like a, oh. a nice, like he almost won the game for us Wisconsin and wanted to do it again. Yeah, like that's a fumble. If he got hit and fumbled, that's different. You gotta catch the ball, man. You gotta catch yeah. the ball. That one's tough. Like you just tried to run are, with it before before he before he had it. And yeah. and I don't even think like. That's not on Brian Pullian. Like, that's not on him at all. No. Like, that's not coaching, and that's just not, like, your guy's not, like, being ready. That's just not making plays, and that's, like, nerves or jitters or something. Like, that's what was frustrating about it is routine plays that we make 99 times out of 100, as you said, for some reason, today just wasn't our day, or Saturday was not our day. Yeah. I do want to give a quick shout-out to – Michael Mayer. I mean, that dude is an absolute warrior mm-hmm. out there. He is yep. a dog. I think right? we he, he are um, the best player on the team, and we have a top five, top ten pick on defense. Yeah, yeah. he's an absolute animal, and he, I mean, he, he looked so battered out there. And he's like, no, I'll be, I'll be good to go next week. Dude, we, that. that's the that's the other part. All three of us said it. Like, we're banged up too. Like, we like Hamilton was. I mean, he didn't say like yeah. he didn't say it on his podcast this week. It didn't get bought up in any of the post games, but. He's banged up too, man. Like, you can tell, like, this is a – football at this level is a taxing game. And some of these guys – some of our some of our stars who are playing all the snaps uh, are, a bit, are a bit banged up right now. I will mm-hmm. say I don't want to have it all negative. Like he said, Michael Mayer had 12 catches. I thought he played really, really well. I thought both running backs picked up – picked up uh, – picked up 
they were, were phenomenal in pass blocking. Picked up a lot. Picked up the blitzes really, really well. Uh, like like we always say, like Kyron Williams, buckle your chin strap because he's going to try and knock your helmet off. And then on defense, I thought Kyle Hamilton had a pretty good game. I thought it was just a, I got another freak play. Like on uh, when he gets turned around, that was a terrible throw from Ritter, and he it was almost it was so bad that it just turned Hamilton around. Um, yep. And then I do want to say one guy who continues to play so well week in and week out, and, I, and that makes me so happy is Cam Hart. Five. That's right. Yeah. Man, five. Five. Five is five's coming to play every week. Uh, good luck. He's he, people going to stop throwing at five. He's not yeah. Sauce Gardner, but people are going to stop throwing at five. Mm. I mean, so back to your point about, you know, our studs, our best players playing every snap. You come down to the two drives where they actually got in the end zone by driving the ball against us. Yeah. It's, you know, beating Kyle Hamilton, kind of beating him. I mean, he got turned around into play. He probably makes a lot of the time, just not on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the drive in the fourth quarter, the one that was the backbreaker, you know, we saw J.D. Bertrand almost play every snap the last two games. J.D. Bertrand got worked on three separate plays Yeah, that, you know, it's a play that you really hope that your guys can make. I know one – the seam down the middle, it's tough to put a linebacker on the tight end with, you know, not a ton of safety help over the top. But, you know, he got beat. They got beat around the corner by Ritter, and he also got juked out back when they were in, in their own territory where he could have had a tackle for loss. Yeah, that was a tough drive. That was a tough drive. And we had – we were looking at a stadium. Like, each time Slab behind me was like, oh, nope, 27. Once yep. again. And 27 you're, so nice again. To him. you're so nice to him. But he, was, he had a rough drive. I mean, but he was, he was probably gassed. Yeah. Yep. One thing that we don't talk about, except we both mentioned it, or we all mentioned it to each other, when Lorenzo Styles had a catch, like there was a big recruiting weekend, big big recruiting mm-hmm. weekend, and that's another yeah. annoying part of losing that game. I don't think win or lose in that fashion should affect anything too much. You know, mm-hmm. like recruits are going more yeah. so for atmosphere, and if you're a top recruit, you're like, oh, if I was there, we won a wall. Like winning helps, but losing isn't that bad. But that's a big big recruiting weekend mm-hmm. and what do you think of the overall showing atmosphere team and i know we're not in the locker room at all but like i i, I don't know i wish we had one yeah. yeah i mean in terms of the atmospheres like i i follow a lot of cincinnati like media people radio guys that cover the reds Bengals. they tend to be bearcat fans as opposed to Saber fans i mean there's just 10 times more of them in the city of cincinnati um, they way over blew the atmosphere. They said it was like comparable to Georgia 2017. It wasn't close. Georgia 2017 was half the stadium, if not more. Cincinnati was 15 to 20%. They had their little cornerback there, which, I mean, the red pops, it looks good. But if you look at, I've seen pictures of people that were sitting in that section, looking out towards us, towards the Northwest corner. I mean, you can barely see red. Like you can't see it in like the entire panorama. I mean, they were loud. They brought it. It's a, on average, the Cincinnati fan was louder than the Notre Dame fan. But, you know, when we wanted to get loud, it was louder. And, I mean, that, those are the kind of atmospheres that do make college football fun, a little back and forth. You know, when they start chanting, let's go Bearcats, we always drown them out. Yeah, But you know, it, it's, it still is kind of embarrassing almost to see an opposing team. I saw someone tweet out, Notre Dame is like Disney World. Like, it's just an experience, and you know you can get in treated well. It's not hostile. I really wish we were more hostile, but I guess that's just not what Notre Dame is, and we're just going to have to deal with that. But I don't know. If I'm, if I'm a recruit, I see that, and 
let's be honest, the recruits who choose Notre Dame aren't choosing it because it has the most electric atmosphere in college football. Yeah. I, uh, D, to your point about opposing fans treating Notre Dame like Disney World, that's, I think that actually had, so they mentioned that on Inside the Garage. And I just listened to it just before, just before we hopped on here while I was making dinner. And I that's, forget who it was. For those who don't know, that's Kyle Hamilton, KJ Wallace, KJ Wallace, and Connor Radigan. Connor Radigan. Which, why is he on that podcast? But go ahead. Go ahead he, offers, he offers good Wapu perspective. Um, okay. he, um, uh, but I, it was either Cam or I think it was Cam who was mentioning it. He was like, we, or maybe it was Kyle Hamilton, but we did the, he was like, we did the player walk and there were so many Bearcat fans, like so many Cincinnati fans on the player walk. And it wasn't until he was walking down library quad into the stadium that he realized like, Oh, like this, this means that much to this fan base, right? Like that they even showed up to have this experience to be on, to be on library quad for the player walk. And I think that kind of speaks to what D was saying where I think they kind of overhyped it. I thought that they probably think they bought it a little bit more than they did um, because, and we know that that's not the case because we were in the stadium for the Georgia game. Um, yes. I thought the atmosphere was good. I think I, I would hope, I don't, I think I'm overblowing it. It's fun. It's fun to say, but the, my, the most important catch of the day may have been the bottle Lorenzo styles, right? Um, because yeah. getting, getting Sonny would be huge. Um, and we want, we want Sonny styles in the Notre Dame program. Um, but Ian, but like you guys both said, like you don't come to Notre Dame because it's the best atmosphere in college football. You want the best atmosphere in college football? Go down south. Like go to go to Georgia. Go to go to Alabama. LSU. I love I love our game day more than any, any place on the planet. But like then go to Ann Arbor, right? Like you don't like I don't. I, th- yeah. I think our game day is way better. But it's probably like if you want if that's what you're going for, then go to Michigan. I don't care. Uh, yeah. I think you get I think you get your guys to Notre Dame for other reasons, but I, I still think it's worth mentioning that a win a win helps those things, and a win for all the guys for all the, for all the recent recruits that you've bought in freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. The fact that every time they took a visit to South Bend, they didn't see a loss. That does yeah. mean something, you know. Like I think it's probably been since the senior since the class of seniors now when they were taking their visits is probably the last time that, that Notre Dame is losing football games at home. So it, it, it doesn't mean nothing, but I don't want to put too much stock in it. Uh, yeah. Stock in it either. Uh, I do hope that the Lorenzo Styles catch helps land Sonny Styles. That's that, that would be cool. I, I hope that's the case because he would be very useful to this, to this football team. Yeah. Um, I also do want to mention one more thing with that. If we're going to talk about Lorenzo Styles uh, and recruiting, also getting the ball to Deion Colsey. I believe he had a catch, right? I don't think he had a catch, but he got he got a lot tick. He might have had a catch. I'm not sure. I think they each had a catch. If I'm, I can look up the box score, but I think they each had a catch, which is not very reflective of what Brian Kelly usually does. But I think it's, I think it's good nonetheless. I think obviously the receivers needed a bit of a spark plug, like you know, with the Austin drop and him just not them just not having a very good day on the whole outside of Lindsey Longball Longball. I think it was refreshing to get the ball to to some younger guys. Um, especially in an opportunity where it, it looks better because Cincinnati is probably falling off and playing, um, playing, playing coverage back. Um, but I still think it helps to get those, get the young guys catches that, that is attractive to, to recruits. Yeah. I mean, let's see anything. I, I guess the defensive line continues to just be so solid. I'll say like, they're just so consistent. I wouldn't say they're truly elite, 
I think Foskey has, you know, kind of lived up to the hype this year. I mean, he had a huge play on that fumble. I wish Drew White didn't pick it up. But, I mean, he, that, he we makes, needed a big play on defense, and he delivered. He makes me look like a speed demon. Yeah. Um, and I will say, too, I don't let, – let's move to VT soon. But I think – I do. I do think the offensive line played better this week. I thought that they. It, it wasn't good, but it was. I did. I thought noticeably they took a step forward in the right direction. Who was that left? Who was that, who was on the left side? I think it rotated a bunch. Yeah, I mean, um, but like, but like, hey. Also, look at the first play of the game. I think it was a nine-yard run, either a nine-yard run or first down from Kyron Williams. Like, yes, the play is scripted, and you knew that was coming all week. But look what ha- look what happens when you can punch somebody in the mouth, like it like it's there, right? It's just let's get consistent with it. Let's do that more. Let's throw the first punch. Let's not let's not sit on our heels and, and wait to get punched in the mouth by by defensive lines. Let's go throw the first jab uh, because that was exciting. Like I was so ju- I was like oh holy shit! Like that was a nice change of pace. Uh, yeah. That looked like last year. So let's. I, I would like to see a little bit more of that, especially to kind of start the game off when the first 15 or 20 plays have been scripted and, and you've rehearsed them. I think those would be big confidence boost for that offensive line. I agree. All right. Let's move on to Virginia Tech. You know, a solid team. I think when we were previewing the schedule during this five-game stretch, we had them rated as the weakest, but I think that might not be the case now. I think, obviously, they beat North Carolina. They're probably better than Wisconsin and USC as well. Um, so this might, I mean, this is going to be another tough game in another elite atmosphere. They're going to be up for the game. I see they're doing like coloring their stadium, you know, like maroon yeah. and orange all the way around. I mean, they're going to be jacked up. Unfortunately, games on the ACC network, it's not two ranked teams like 2018, but the atmosphere will be elite for this game. They're going to get up and we need to bring it. I mean, Drew Pine, this will be a tough atmosphere for him. Hopefully he's the one you know, taking the snaps. Yeah, I think – so I did, I did a little bit of reading today. I think for those who want to get a bit more in-depth maybe than, than what we're going to be able to reach, I'd go check Samson's article, joint article out with the VT beat writer. I thought they did a really good job breaking down things. Um, but from a higher level, I think that Virginia Tech's not all dissimilar from Notre Dame in that they're a 3-1 team, but they had like a weird path 3-1, right? Like they beat they – beat, they won against North Carolina convincingly in week one at home, which was a really exciting game, really good way to start the college football season. But they struggled with some teams that they should have smoked. Like Middle Tennessee State hung around. Um, it's just – much like like we played around with Toledo and Purdue, I think they, they played around with, with some of their other wins. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a similar – Similar in that, in that it was just, it feels like a weird three and one. It's not like a strong three and one um, for them. Uh, I will say that they, uh, their defense seems to be really like, seems to be a strong point. Uh, I forget who the DC, who the defense coordinator is in there, but he, he's now on year two and they're playing, they're playing much, much better defense, kind of like we are too. Like, like I think our strength right now lies on the defense, defensive side of the ball. Um, so I'm kind of looking to it, looking towards another rock fight like we saw against Cincinnati this weekend. Yep. I mean this I mean I mean this game's gonna come down to a few big plays. I, I don't see this being a blow. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a one point spread. Yeah. Yeah. One point spread. They're also like maybe it's I'm I'm drawing too much from the quarterback, but they just seem kind of scrappy. Like they're gonna make some BS plays that are gonna frustrate us. Um we just kinda gotta keep our heads. 
I do. I did hear a little bit of the Inside Garage, Inside the Garage podcast, Lev. And it seems like our guys are in a good headspace. We're like, yeah, that pissed us off. But if we draw on it, we're just going to lose again. So we got to move on. So it seems like they're going to be ready to go. I haven't watched a lot of outside football other than that UNC game. But when they're in Lane Stadium, they, there's something else about them, I think. Yeah, I, I, Ian, I thought, I thought I, I took, took away the same thing as you did from, from the inside of the garage. I thought those guys were like, were in a really, really good headspace. And you got a lot of leaders on this team who, who know, who know what it looks like to respond from a big, from a big loss, right? You get beat by Michigan, turn around and win the next week. Um, get beat by Georgia, turn around, win, turn around, win the next week. Like you know how to respond to losses. So I think that's that's pretty important. Um, and those guys did seem like they're in a good headspace. Like, hey, let's let's turn the page. Let's, you know, let's, let's learn from our mistakes, but let's also turn the page and, and get ready for a good week here. I think this is – I think the best thing that could happen to Notre Dame is that they get to go on the road this weekend. I know going to Lane Stadium is not an easy task, but get away from South Bend for a few weeks here. Get away from the Chicago area. Uh, get away from having to worry about family and friends in class on Thursday and Friday. Like, just go down to Blacksburg, business trip. Go go play your game, uh, and and get out of there with a win. Um, I will say, on on their quarterback Burmeister, uh, from what I've heard, he he's struggling to throw the ball down the field. Like he's got almost he's got like no confidence to throw the ball down the field. But they he just he's not been able to bring himself to do it. So he will take yeah, off a little. Name's Braxton though. Like that's such a baller name. Yeah, it is. And Braxton's pretty tend to play pretty well. In, in Blacksburg, if I if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I'm not mistaken, but um, it's been moved. Um, but yeah, he's having trouble throwing the ball down the field. He does like to take off and use his feet. He's pretty good short. Their offensive line is big, um, like bigger, uh, probably one of the better better sized offensive lines. Um, so I think we'll get a challenge. We'll get a challenge this week with. Um, we'll get a challenge this week for the front seven again or front eight, depending on depending on how we play things right. I wouldn't hate seeing that 4-4 again, but I still think you need to adapt a little bit more. I think you need to fall somewhere in between where you were for Cincinnati and where you were for, for Wisconsin. Yep. If you guys had to say one, the biggest thing you want to see, biggest improvement, what would it be out of the Irish this game? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. Jack Cohn. No Jack Cohn. Okay. Yeah. Um, D-Gab. Yeah, if I had to say is – Managing that second quarter is we've we've seen the Irish come out of the gates almost every single game. First drive, we marched down the field. Obviously, we didn't score last game, but we got inside the five or inside the seven or whatever it was. And after that, our offense seems to fall out. It's you know, can you adapt after the play is scripted and move be able to move the ball down the field? I mean, that's on the offensive line. Got to be able to run the ball at least somewhat. And there was improvement there against uh, Cincinnati, but, you know, hopefully hopefully we see more. It's being able to make a play on the third and seven, move the change so that we're not going three and out, three and out, three and out, and just praying our defense holds them enough that we can just pray that we can come back in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it's being able – it's on Tommy Reese to adapt without having half time to think it over. It's you know, calling plays on the fly, being able to move the ball. I, I think that's been our worst quarter this year is the second quarter. So we'd love to see some improvement there. I'm going to call on, I'm going to call on the wide receivers. Uh, I think that you're going to have, I think you're going to have Drew Pine who's going to have to go the distance. Um, the wide receivers for the most part struggled, struggled last week, struggled to get open. 
Sauce Gardner dominated. Don't get me wrong. Sauce Gardner, Sauce Gardner dominated like like Sauce Gardner dominates. I think he's had 800 snaps in his career and hasn't given up a touchdown. Cincinnati. Um, he's a very good football player. Um, you gotta you gotta make a better effort to, to to make sure you're open for Pine. Make his life as easy as humanly possible, um, so he can kind of focus on setting the protection um, and and keeping himself keep himself off the ground. Uh, let's have a big week. Kevin Austin, let's have a big week and respond. Avery Davis, be a senior leader and, and make sure that you do what you can in the slot um, and need guys like Lindsay to just keep, keep your head on straight. Like let's have a good week of practice. Um, let's make everything sharp and, and give, give Cone some places to throw the, throw the football because I don't know if you're going to be able to go to mayor for, for 15 more targets this weekend. Let's see uh, Kyron break off a big one, Dexter Williams style or Chris Tyree. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Either way works, but it, I, I'll tell you what, it's not going to be a run, I don't think. I think you see it mm. on either one of two plays. You see it on a wheel or you see it on a screen. Either way works, though. I do think you'll see one. It's just going to be – it's not going to be like a like a, like an inside zone or an outside zone like we saw for Dex, um, but it'll probably be a screen or it'll be a, or it'll be a wheel route. Yeah, I agree. I mean uh, – Defense, I would like to see a big play. Obviously, you know, we've kind of discussed Burmeister's struggles. Seems like a ripe opportunity for a Kyle Hamilton pick or Cam Hart. Five's going to try him. Five's getting another one. He, and he almost had one last week. He almost had one down on the goal line last week. He jumped, he jumped, he jumped the route where he was, uh, where it was supposed to be like a rub route. They bought the, they bought the outside receiver in on a slant and the two ins and the two inside receivers inside of him did outs down near the end zone. And Cam Hart read it like a book, jumped it, and almost picked it. Uh, he's close, man. I think he gets another one this week. I'm all over Cam Hart. Yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. One thing before we move on to the preview, you guys ready to make picks? By the way, yeah, yeah. All right, great. Uh, one thing before we want to move on to the preview, what would you guys think of uh, of Kelly sending out the walk the walk ons for player availability yesterday? Oh, hilarious! Honestly, hilarious. Like, I, did you not see this again? No, 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 no. I, I was confused what you said. I love the move. Oh, me too. I thought it was great. I think that – so, Kelly, I think Kelly's trying to have a bit of a secretive week of practice. I don't think he really wants too many people saying things. He, like, he's not saying – he's not going to announce the quarterback. Um, I think – I mean, read between the can lines. All, we, can, we can all read between the lines. We're gonna, we know who it is. But he's not going to announce it. So, he's going to keep on that same path. I thought sending Gutsmer and the rest of the crew out there was so, so funny. And they asked Gutsman, like, hey, like, when did you find out you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be part of the immediate availability? He goes, Oh, like five minutes ago. <laughs> but also it's like like Michael Mayer is just gonna get bombarded with hard questions, you know? Oh, yeah. Hey, give, the, give those guys a mental break. That don't, yeah, let them off the hook. Send send these guys out to just be deliberate idiots and I love it. Like also, I didn't see good. what they said. Were they like fucking around? As they sh- it, as I hope they would. They were funny. I, it's just tough to ask them like serious, serious questions, right? So like they had, like the serious questions they got asked were about like how'd you how'd you become a signaler? Is it like how, why why is being a signaler stressful? Um, why is why is covering Kyron Williams hard in practice? Like, yeah. and then so those were like the serious questions, and there was less serious questions like, oh, uh, does your mom like your mullet? Or Colin, when did you find out you're going to be doing this? Like. So I think there was less serious questions as well. And like to your point about getting them a mental break, like all three of us were in South Bend or at Notre Dame. It's October. Yesterday was October 5th. Today's the 6th. 
It's midterms okay. week too. Yeah, we're like we're student student athletes too. As much as as much football as they play, as much time they spend in the facility, they still got to go to class and take some tests. So it may not be a, a, the worst thing in the world if, if these guys don't have to take ten or twelve minutes to to talk to the beat writers either. Yeah, hey, I I agree, and it's also just a cool opportunity for just the walk-ons to get in front of the mic, absolutely you know, show something. Now, I'm sure the reporters were kind of pissed, you know, because you're not getting the quotes from the studs, but uh, it's like, yeah. who cares? There was, I, what was it, Slev? Like, Pete Sampson asked Michael Mara a question, and he oh. actually dunked on him, and it was so funny. I actually don't think it was Sampson. I think it was somebody else, but somebody, this is, like, this is such a stupid question. I absolutely hate this question. Anybody who has a competitive bone in their body would, would hate this question. The guy, one of the beat writers asked Mayer after the game, he's like, you know, Michael, like, you guys just lost. How's the mood in the locker room? Yeah, and like, you have, good, to, like, you, you have yeah. to go watch the video. Like, it's a pretty short clip. He only he only spoke, like, two or three minutes. But you have to go watch his mannerisms. Like, I, I don't think Bayer could really believe that it came out of this guy's mouth. He was like, I don't know, man. Like, we just lost. Probably not good. And he said it like, a very stern tone of voice. And it was – I loved it. Like, man, that's that's how you should be right now. You should be pissed off. Uh, you know, you probably lost, you probably left some points on the field. Like that's, you know, a game that's winnable and, and you didn't win it and you lost for the first time at home since, since September of 2017. Like I'd be pissed off too. Uh, screw that guy for asking that question, but kudos to mayor for the answer. Yeah, uh, I agree. All right. Anything else we want to touch on for picks? No, uh, I do want to apologize with something for picks. Uh, I almost nom- nominated myself for Frog of the Week. Uh, if it wasn't for Garrett Cole, I would have nominated myself. Uh, I think I got a little excited on Friday about drinking some uh, <laughs> drinking some beers in South Bend uh, and did not have my computer with me, so we're not able to put the picks out. Uh, so we skipped week five, but we are back for week six, and those will be posted this week. I apologize. Yes. Uh, Everyone but- yes. Go ahead, D. Yeah, I'm no, sure. Everybody... Pissed. We, we got to drop our locks this week because we haven't done well betting this year. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you, where do you want do you want to start with Notre Dame or do you want to go the rest of the schedule, the rest of the picks and then come back? Uh, let's start with the Irish. All right. So Notre and... Dame, get, I'll just give you the line and the D, you, you talk on it. Notre Dame's favored by one, uh, 7.30 kick from Blacksburg on the ACC network. Uh, what are your thoughts, D? And if we win, I think we win by more than one. It's not going to be like a three-score game, but I think we'll win by more than one, which comes down to you know a game-winning field goal or something. Is you know I, th- I think this truly, really, as we talked about, a culture game in the past few weeks is you know this is a culture game. Is the culture of Notre Dame football the revamped version under Brian Kelly, twenty seventeen and forward is how do you bounce back from a tough regular season loss where you get beat? It's not like Michigan where they beat our brains in. And, you know, funny enough, we played Virginia tech after that game bounced back. It wasn't easy, but I mean, this team's going to have to show mental toughness. They won't have the home crowd behind them is, you know, are you going to execute and play Notre Dame football or are you going to get, you know, overwhelmed by the emotion of the crowd, the energy there? Are you going to let one or two mistakes because we will make one or two mistakes. At least it's what this team does. Are you going to let that spiral like it did last week? Or are you going to bounce back and make a play? And I truly think the culture that Kelly's built, I think we will bounce back. Like you mentioned, the podcast of Kyle Hampton, seems like their minds are in a good place when your leaders have that mindset. I think you can respond from that. I'll go Irish 23, Virginia Tech 17. 
So it's a win and a cover. There we go. I'm I'm gonna stop saying these lines are disrespectful from Vegas because they're probably about right. <laughs> they're respecting us just about enough. But yeah, I think we win. Um, I think we're top to bottom the better team. Um, even being favored a little bit shows because there's got to be at least like two and a half points given to being on the road night game at Lane Stadium. So, yeah. I mean, we're the better team. I think we can make a couple more plays. I think an identity change could could kind of revitalize this team and keep everybody focused. Um, so I'm going to go with a 27 to 20 win, Irish. Yeah. So I think I agree with a lot of what you guys said. Um, in in my opinion, I think Notre Dame under Kelly since the revamped 2017 team has responded really well coming off of losses. Uh, I think let's look back at talent. Notre Dame's a more talented team than Virginia Tech. Uh, no fans are butts about it. Um, I, I don't know if this is necessarily your get-right game. But I think Notre Dame responds really, really well. I think they're in a good headspace. Again, I think getting away from South Bend is going to be helpful for a lot of these guys so they can lock in and focus. Uh, receivers bounce back. Offensive line takes another step forward, albeit if it's going to be small. Pine has a good day. We force a turnover. Cam Hart's going to force a turnover. Um, the Irish going to Blacksburg. Slugfest, not an easy game. I got 24-13. For for Notre Dame, 24-13, That was just the score we lost to. <laughs> well, it happens. It's <laughs> a more common score. Back. Yeah, it's a more common score. Fine, we'll go to. Well, I remember. You know, funny. I was, I was actually going to say 27, 23, uh, excuse me, I was going to say 24-10, but I wanted to give them. Uh, you want to count? Yeah, want to count for the extra field goal? Oh, 24-13. Uh, Notre Dame covers. Notre Dame goes in there and wins. Uh, we get to the bye week. You know, bye week's not not all it's cracked up to be, but we'll get we'll get to the bye week, start to figure some stuff out, get these guys rest, get healthy, and, and we'll continue on. I think Notre Dame wins wins this one. Uh, real quick, right. speaking about field goals, yeah. real quick, that door missed extra point could have been so costly if Ritter didn't cook us oh, on that drive yeah. on the way down. Yeah. We 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 blew over that, but you, you cannot be missing that extra point. No, that was awful. I mean, that, we also... Honestly, that just takes the wind out of our sails too. Like that's just like oh, okay. you gotta make that kick. We, Absolutely, we can keep going on picks, but come on, man. Take takes the wind out of the stadium too. Uh, you know, Blenzy yeah. has this great big catch, and then you and then you miss it. Uh, and the same same vein, like Cincinnati, let's hang around too. They missed too. They missed. Oh two. yeah, yeah. So, all right, we'll keep moving. Uh, we'll go to the Cotton Bowl, uh, the Red River Red River rivalry, uh, Oklahoma against Texas in Dallas. Uh, the kicker will be in attendance as he has is he has a wedding. Uh, five hours after kickoffs, so I hope I hope he is in good shape by the time the wedding rolls around. Uh, Oklahoma is favored by three. Uh, who you guys got? Yeah. I I'm gonna be honest. I do no research before these picks. It's Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are kind of my days that I get right. So these are off the dome here. <laughs> I I feel good about Texas here, and I kind of usually just like to take the underdog in the Red River rivalry. Yeah. Red River rivalry. I just like to take the underdogs. Texas kind of got some about them, and Oklahoma week after week is uninspiring. Uh, Ian, I have good news for you. It's three and a half. We get the, we get the hook. Gimme. So, D. Yeah, I mean, I talked a big game about Texas early on earlier on the pod. I gotta go with them. I, I think Oklahoma yeah. has just been playing with fire for too long, kind of in the same way Notre Dame was, in that Texas 
probably the best team they've faced. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely most talented, and I think it comes back to bite them here. Like I, I think I'm going to sprinkle money line here with the horns. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement. I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with the Longhorns as well. I think B. John Robinson uh, might be not that he's not good, and not that people don't know about him, but this might be a coming out party a little bit. Uh, I'd love to see it happen. Uh, I also, uh, it's, I think I've made it well known that I'm not very big on Spencer Radler as a human being or as a quarterback. Um, so I'm going to go with the Longhorns. I hope it's a really fun day, Dallas. Uh, I know the kicker will be sitting in the in in the Aust- in the in the UT section, so uh, that would make his day a bit more fun as well. Uh, but give me the Longhorns, especially now that we got that hook. Like Ian said, this game gets played close a lot. Uh, not shocked if it's a field goal game, one way or the other. Um, all right, next one. This one, this one's really intriguing for me. I want to make sure that we that the line is still where I said it earlier this week. But the next game is Arkansas goes to Oxford, Mississippi to play Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is favored by six. Uh, what are your thoughts here, fellas? That's a huge line. That's a huge line. Yeah. And like, that's a, that's a massive, massive line. It is a little stinky, and that's why I'm going with Ole Miss. I mean, I think Matt Corral tries to get his Heisman campaign back on track, airs out a little bit, um, and they score on too many drives that Arkansas can't keep up. I'm sorry. I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear. Ole Miss is favored by six. You you want Ole Miss, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want Ole Miss. It is stinky that it's that big. So, I'm like, somebody knows something that Ole Miss is going to roll. So, I'm I'm going with Ole Miss. Yeah. I'm riding with the Hogs again. I think – you know, obviously playing against you got Alabama. To. You got to ride with the Hogs. I got to ride with the Hogs. And playing against Alabama, like everyone's going to struggle to score, but I think it gave Sam Pittman a little bit of a blueprint of what he can do on defense. Um, also think Arkansas is not exactly facing Georgia's defense on the other side of the ball. I think they will be able to score a lot easier than they did last week. So I'm going to ride with the Hogs. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ian here. I'm gonna go with Ole Miss. I think Matt Corral has a big day. Uh, I think you know the, the interesting part here is that these both these teams got smacked last week. Uh, so, yeah, you know, if one of these teams had won or had kept it close, I probably would have gone with 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 the other team. But you know, both of them getting blown out made that a little harder. I think the game being an, being being a game is in Oxford uh, definitely helps take an Ole Miss here. Uh, Lane loves to put up points but Lane especially loves to put up points at home. Uh, and I think it, it's crazy because I still think this is a one-score game, but Ole Miss doesn't kick field goals like or, or rarely kicks field goals. So I just think if they're going to win the football game, they're just going to win it by a touchdown. So right. I'm going to go with that's That's why I'm all aboard the Lane train again this week. Uh, I'll ride with Ole Miss with the Rebels. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of last week's of teams that played last week, uh, on this board, Georgia goes to Auburn. Uh, Auburn is catching 15 and a half at home. Who you guys got? Yeah, this line moves a little bit. Yeah, that is so much. I th- I'm very high on Georgia. I think yeah. they're really good. Um, it's at Auburn, yeah? Yeah, it's at Auburn. Don't matter. Give me the dogs. <laughs> Give me the dogs. Kirby and the dogs. D, who you got? So – the question is, is Auburn going to score more than 10? Like, no. And I think Georgia gets to at least 24 or 27. I, I think that's that's the way my ma- my brain's processing this math here is I think they get to 27, 28, and Auburn doesn't get past 10. That's a cover for the dogs. Give me the dogs. 
So I, uh, I'm very interested to see. I really, I don't know if he will play this week. He probably doesn't have to play this week. I feel a lot better if JT Daniels played this week, but George is getting healthy on the outside at receiver. Uh, Stenson Bennett is clearly a serviceable backup. This defense is elite. Uh, they're not quite the 85 bears. Like some people want to christen them, but they are, they are very, very good. Uh, I, I'm going to take Georgia, but with hesitation, just knowing that Bonix plays better at home. Like Bonix just, just does some weird, funky things at home. Um, his splits home versus the road are, are crazy, but uh, I still think Georgia, like you guys said, if you're doing the math, Auburn doesn't cross, doesn't cross 10 or 13. Georgia has been putting up some points probably forces defensive turnover and might score on defense. Give me, give me Georgia Kirby and the dogs continue to roll. All right. And then the game of the night or the game of the day in my book, uh, maybe maybe others would disagree, but it's the game we will close with number four, Penn state goes to Iowa city to Kinnick stadium to play against Iowa. That game will be four o'clock on Fox. Iowa is one and a half point favorites. Uh, What do you guys think? For me, this is the home field. This is the home field. I think they're pretty comparable. Um, Pet like for everything we've said about Iowa State's defense, Penn State's defense has also been very, very good. Yeah. Um, I bet against Iowa last week, and it wasn't fun watching that go south. And I don't think I'm gonna <laughs> want to do it again. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna go with the Hawkeyes. I just think being at home. They'll probably keep it close and then pull it out at the end. Yeah. D? Sean Clifford has been falling out all year, one Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. He's a bomber. He's torched me in gambling more than once, more than twice, probably more than three times too. But I'm going to ride with him this week. I think, you know, I think this is going to be a rock fight. Uh, two very strong defenses going at it. I think Penn State just has a few more athletes on offense um, I, that I don't think Iowa has had to deal with yet, like a few more weapons to contain. Uh, I, th- I think they get it done by a touchdown or so, Penn State. Um, so for the same reason that you're going to go with Penn State, I'm going to go against Penn State. Okay. Sean Clifford is another one of those mm-hmm. dudes that plays that plays better in his home stadium. Uh, I think the fact that it's in, in Iowa City is really, really helpful in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, I think Kirk Ferentz does a good job getting these guys prepared, uh, as he usually does. I forecast another rock fight, another low-scoring game. Uh, but give me the Hawkeyes. This defense has just played well, just played way too good for them for that not to continue. Um, and I will say, like, Iowa's quarterback, not good but might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. If you tell me somebody you like more than more than the rest of the quarterbacks in the Big Ten West, uh, you know, more power to you, but I think he's the best best quarterback in the Big Ten West. So I'll go with the Hawkeyes at home. Uh, one and a half is a pretty small number. If it got north of a field, like I'd be concerned, but one and a half is a good spot, I think. All right, fellas, somebody got a lock? So I'm you looking. Do you, do I'm you looking. want to go last? I can go, for, I can go now if you guys want to take a peek. Yeah, yeah, go, you go ahead. ahead. You go ahead. I think, I, I, Actually, think I don't mind, but go ahead. Let me just make sure that this is in the same spot as it was. Uh, but it's all right. It's moved to three and a half. I still love it. Um, LSU goes to Lexington to play Kentucky Wildcats. The line is three and a half. In favor uh, of who? 
it's Kentucky's favored by three and a half. Is it Stingley, the cornerback? Yeah. The cornerback from mm-hmm. – um, sorry, give me one second. Um, Stingley just – Stingley announced that he's done for the season after an injury. Uh, I think their defense really struggles. I think Will Levis is playing very, very good football. I think Mark Stoops has these guys well prepared. Uh, maybe – I think this probably – this one probably smells a little bit, but I'm going to take the cheese, and I hope that the Wild – I think the Wildcats going to run away with this one. So, give me Kentucky minus three and a half at home. Wow. Wow. Their sleeper. Yeah. Um, also, like might 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 begin putting a stake in in and at order on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Geez. No, this, I think he's fried. I think he's so, absolutely fried. The cover three guys said they don't think he makes the Alabama game. I wouldn't. I, 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 I wouldn't. Season. He's week by week for sure. Yeah. So let's see. But uh, give me Wildcats. All right. So this is another team we touched on earlier in the pod. Uh, out. The ACC and Wake Forest is only six point favorites against Syracuse. I know it's in the dome, but I mean, that's not an intimidating atmosphere by any means. It's not going to be intimidating for a Wake Forest game, no matter if they're 10 and 0, if they're 0 and 10. Uh, you know, it'll probably be pretty quiet, but I don't know. The Syracuse team isn't impressive. Wake Forest, obviously, same Hartman, they can put up some points. I think they get it done. Wake Forest is my lock. I Minus think it's a really good, really good pick. Especially, if, especially given that Rutgers also just went up there into the Dillon one. Like yeah. I, I got five and a half for you, D. Yeah. You want to give five and a half? Ian, I got five. Let, yeah, do not uh, match he, best lines. Are you like Amazon? No, you oh, got to yeah. match the oh, best we're, line. Okay. Oh, we're, we're, match, we're matching the best lines. I'm actually going to see if I can dig out a, dig out a three for my Kentucky, for my Kentucky pick. But get yeah. So I was going to go – Stanford is 13-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Arizona State. Wait, I see that. Stanford's, they, wait, wait, Stanford's favored by 13-and-a-half? Sorry, sorry, 13-and-a-half-point dogs. Yeah. 13-and-a-half-point dogs after beating USC and then beating the number three team in the country, Oregon. In Eugene, yeah? Wasn't, wasn't that at Oregon? No, the game is – I think the game is, in, is on the farm. Okay. Well, they still beat Oregon. And they're thirteen and a half point dogs against Arizona State. I like that pick. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm bailing out. I'm going with Bama on the road at A and M. I got them seventeen and a half point favorites. Jeez. I think Texas A and M is bad. Yeah. And I think Nick Saban loves beating Jimbo Fisher. I think so too. I think that's a very good point. So I'm going with Bama to cover seventeen and a half against a struggling A and M team. I think there's there's some crazy stat where um, I think Alabama's covered like a crazy amount of first half overs. No, for, like covered a crazy amount of first half lines. I would also take run. Alabama. I would also take Alabama first half. The thing with Alabama, you always like are a little scared of a of a back door. Um, so I'd also recommend if you're gonna do it, maybe split it up, go first half as well. I think yeah. I'll. I think I might climb all over. The, so I saw an the first half. Stat. With Alabama, they're I think they've covered thirteen straight first half spreads against uh, FBS teams. That's so, what it was. Uh, that's that's what it was. So it was like a pretty uh, safe bet. Yeah, I yeah. like being on that that on that side. Yeah, it's uh, what do we got in the first half? You know that. Which crazy that Alabama line opened at nine and a half. And it's moved to Wait, moved. when? This might have been. It might have been from a while ago. Action network yeah. may be a bit misleading. Um, so Alabama's minus fourteen in the first half right now. Yeah, I think no, I'd, I'd take it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Dono's got Dono's got the Demon Deacons. Ian, you got 
you got the Crimson Tide, and I'll take the Wildcats. Uh, all right, fellas, I will make sure I put this up this week. Um, I told Quinn last week I would do it um, via via Instagram, and it turned out I just never did it after the linebacker. Uh, but it won't be the linebacker this Friday, unfortunately, so I'll have a chance to post these. Uh, it was really good to see you guys last weekend. Um, yeah. I had win, lose, or draw. I had a blast, um, and I'm looking forward to doing yep. that again in short order. Absolutely. Um, happy Are birthday, Donna. Yeah, oh, happy birthday, you. D. Thank you. 20, Thank you very 24. much. Unfortunately, yes. I feel Welcome old now. His, Welcome to his Kobe year. Yeah. First Tommy Tremble year. Yeah, I was about to say Tommy. Is there even a 24 on the roster this year? Like, probably. Kaiser. Isn't Kaiser 24? Oh, yeah. Jack, Mike Jack. Yeah, Kaiser. Jack. You're Jack Kaiser here. You're Jack Kaiser. Ian, you're going to have to include that in the intro. But hey, we're celebrating D's Jack Kaiser year this, this year. I will. This week. I will. I'll absolutely do that. Yeah, no, it was unreal to see you guys. Um, And I can't wait to do it again. Yep. You guys out for USC? Most likely. Most likely. Lock, lock, man. You turned the page, Donna. I, I was uh, with I mean, Donna, I with Donna on Sunday, and he was like, I can't keep doing this. I just can't <laughs> keep doing this to my body, to my mind. I can't do it. And he's back. Yeah, all you have to do is give <laughs> me two days. Like, I, I drank last night, so I'm already back. So. Oh, my goodness. Pulling pull it back. And you got to celebrate the birthday, though, all right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too bad. Made it to work this morning, so that's all that matters. Congrats. Yeah, right. cl- yeah, two claps for D. Um, all right, Eric, guys, have a good week. Uh, and uh, – Good luck gambling, and we will uh, we'll chat next week. Bye. Sounds good. Go Bye. Bye.